Um, so uh, in the book, Surprised by Joy by C.S. Lewis, um, a great book. If you're ever interested how C.S. Lewis kind of came to faith in God, he uh, kind of recounts it in that book, Surprised by Joy. It's pretty fascinating how he comes to it. Um, but uh, he has uh, kind of this discourse, uh, this discussion he's having, and uh, it's kind of, I think, early on, uh, I don't think before he's a Christian, but he's talking to a friend about how he wants to start studying uh, philosophy. And uh, he kind of refers to philosophy as a subject. And his friend, not a Christian, uh, says to him, uh, was it a subject to Plato? Was philosophy a subject to Plato? He said, no, it was a way of life. It was a way of life for Plato. And that really stuck with C.S. Lewis, so much so that he eventually, as he's coming to Christ, and as even in his Christian faith, he says at some point, enough had been thought and said and felt and imagined. It was about time that something should be done. About time that something should be done. This uh, so impacted C.S. Lewis that uh, if you've ever read his other book, At the Abolition of Man, the most philosophical book he probably wrote, his second chapter is called The Way. Because for C.S. Lewis, your beliefs are not just things you do in your head. Uh, they're not just things that are reserved to your mind. Uh, it's a way of life. It always is a way of life, whether it's philosophy or faith. It's a way of life. Um, I'm reading this other book, N.T. Wright. You guys know I love N.T. Wright. N.T. Wright, it was all about kind of first century Judaism, uh, kind of the, the back story, the background of the Jews in the first century and what was going on in their thoughts. And he constantly is like, these Jews did not, would not consider themselves a faith, right? In our culture, right, it's like we talk, we talk about different faiths, right? He's like, Jews would hate that. They're like, no, 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 this is not just a belief system. This is a way of life. This is a way of life. And if, as we're going through Acts, as my dad's going through Acts, we'll come across this time and time again, the early church was referred to as the way. The way. It wasn't just beliefs. It wasn't just thoughts in their heads. It wasn't just a particular worldview. It was a way of life for them. Right? We see this very plainly. So in the first century, uh, first century Jews, were very much believed that Jesus, God, was the Lord of all the earth. They believed this so, so much. How did it live out in their life? Well, Caesars eventually got very high and mighty, right? The Romans, and they believed themselves the true Lord of the earth, and they wanted everybody to swear allegiance to their true lordship, right? And so Christians found themselves between a rock and a hard place. All right? Either I deny what I truly believe, that Jesus is Lord of the earth, and I confess Caesar as Lord, or I pay the consequences. What were the consequences? Death. And many, many first century Christians were martyred and killed in very horrible ways because they held to their beliefs, because it wasn't just something in their head. It was a way of life. No, we believe this. And again, way of life includes beliefs, so I'm not definitely not saying we don't have beliefs. But my point today in this sermon 
And I want to ask you this, and I want you to think about this. Is Christianity a part of your life, or is Christianity the way of your life? Is Christianity just a part? Is God just a part of your life, or is he the way of your life? Is he the whole of your life? Think about it. Is it just a part? God is just something... You know, I come to church on Sundays. Uh, you know, I, I tithe. Um, you know, I pray when I need something. Um, I try to love my neighbor and try to love this world as best as I can. But that's it. How do we determine if it's a part of your life? Well, I think for me, as I was thinking through this, uh, go, to the, uh, go to all the decisions you've been making, uh, especially the big ones, and think. Uh, did I make these decisions because of God or because of something else? You know, did I take this job because I felt like God was leading, this, leading me to this because he wanted to do something through me because I'm taking these gifts that he has blessed me with and I'm trying to bless this company or this system or this sector, this area of my community, and I'm trying to be a light and, a, and, and be a, uh, you know, what God has called me to be, what he's created me to be? Or, or did I take this job because it paid well? Or I took this job because it, it's my passion, and it's, I'm seeking fulfillment from this? All right? Think about it. I would say if God's not the because, then you could be in a place of, well, maybe God's just a part of your life. It's a part. He might be a big part. I'm definitely not throwing the baby out of the bathwater. He might be a big part, but even that's not enough. God doesn't want to be just a big part of your life. He wants to be the whole of your life. He wants to be your way of life. Now, this makes sense, does it not? I mean, think about what we believe. Think about what we as Christians believe to this day. Believe about uh, who... Uh, N.T. Wright has his great worldview questions. Who are we? We're humans made in the image of the Creator. We have responsibilities that come with this status. We see this in Genesis 1, right? We're made to rule over the fish of the sea. And again, it's not like literally rule. He's given this as a, as a symbolism of we're supposed to take care of this earth. He's kind of given it to us as ambassadors, right? as kind of his uh, liaisons, if you will, right? To rule over this, to take care of this earth, right? Who are we? We're made in the image of God. Does this leave room for, I can do whatever I want, as long as I just pay some homage to God every once in a while, but then I can kind of do whatever I want. Eh, I don't think it leaves much room for that. We're made in the image of God. Even 1 Corinthians chapter 6 says, you know, we were bought at a price. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. It's a holy temple unto the Lord. This doesn't leave much wiggle room to be, well, I, 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 I honor God with part of me, but then part of me, I, I do my own thing, right? I tithe. I do what I'm, you know, I do what I'm supposed to do with 10%, so 90%. I can do whatever I want. I don't know if it leaves that much wiggle room, right? 
But this makes sense, does it not? I mean, think about, think about Republicans and Democrats, all right? It would be hard-pressed if someone said, I'm a Republican, and they live not like a Republican, <laughs> right? I don't know. I haven't very much found Republicans that don't live like Republicans. Same with Democrats. I mean, Democrats live like Democrats. Republicans live like Republicans. Because it makes sense, right? I mean, if, you're, if you think this is best for society, and these are the right things that our government should do, or our society should be about, you'd be hard-pressed to find somebody that's like, yeah, I believe this, but I'm going to live this other way. We, we don't do that, right? Republicans live like Republicans. Democrats live like Democrats. Independents are a hodgepodge of both, right? No, I don't know. <laughs> right? But we live in line with that, right? We live in line with that. We do this all the time. So why... Why is it so easy, though, with God and Christianity to kind of compartmentalize it? Well, I think it's a bigger, there's a bigger subject going on. We have more of a sinful nature. There's incredibly big things. But I constantly want to call us back to God has to be our way of life, the way of life, not just part of life, not just what I do on Sunday mornings. Not just what I do when I need something. Not just what I do, uh, you know, when I feel like it. It is a way of life by nature of it. So your first point is believing in Jesus is a way of life. And again, our culture, man, our culture constantly is pushing us to compartmentalize. Compartmentalize. Keep it private. Keep your faith private. Keep it to yourself, right? Keep it within your walls of your church. Don't bring it outside. Don't want to hear it. But again, by nature of what we believe, we believe that God is the God who created all of this, right? And we are made in the image of God and that we know the truth, capital T, truth, and that there is a hell and there is heaven and that people are going to go there if they don't know this truth, if they don't follow him, they don't believe this. So by nature, we can't keep it private. We would be contradicting ourselves. Would we not? Would you agree? We would be contradicting what we believe very to the core. And that was the same for first century, Christ first century Christians. They were like, shut up. They're like, no, we can't. We can't. That would like totally just like totally subvert all that we believe about this world and believe about Jesus. We can't. We have to live this way. They chose to live it. It wasn't like they were forced into it. They wanted to. It was the truth. They believed it wholeheartedly. It was a way of life. Is it a way of life for you? Or is it just a part? Is it just in your head? Right? We know we're to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Mind, right? I think we do that. We, we know God. We believe in Him, right? But again, your heart, your desires, your emotions, your will, your soul. Toughy one, but like uh, I heard one podcaster was like, it's your depth. It's the depth of you. You love God with the very depth of you. And for you artistic people, that's beautiful. And for me, I'm like... What the heck does that mean? I don't know. But the depth of you, the core of you, and again, your strength, your physicality, your physicalness, your energy, right? Your hands, 
Love God with your hands. This is where the, the rubber meets the road. The proof, the proof is in the pudding. The way you live your life. Love God with the way you live your life. Your strength. Right? We're called to that. There's no, there's no room for part. Right? Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's all encompassing. That's all of you. Is it not? It's all of you. We're called to this. We're called to this. Let's see this in Scripture. Matthew, open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 13, verses 44 through 46. Matthew chapter 13, verses 44 through 46. This is the part Jesus uh, tells a number of parables in chapter 13, and they're all surrounding this idea of response. It's a response. All right, all these parables are around different how different people respond to the gospel, respond to Jesus, right? And so at the beginning of chapter 13 is the parable of the sower. We're familiar with this, right? Sower sowed seed, some fell around the around the path, right? Didn't really grow up, didn't grow, didn't have chance to get into the soil, dries up, right? Some fall, fall fell around thorns, gets choked out, right? Some falls around good soil. And it reaps an abundance, right? So we're in that. You can see that response. Some people are good soil. They're ready to hear it, right? And they hear it, and they love it, and they follow them, and they, they bear fruit. Some are not ready for it. They're hardened. They, can't, they have no roots. They have cares for this world and the deceitfulness of wealth, and it gets choked out and gets taken away, right? That's the kind of the context of this. And so Jesus goes into another parable about weeds growing up beside the harvest, and then we get to, in verse 44 through 46, a couple other ones. Here we go. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went and sold everything he had and bought it. Both of them sold all he had. Both of them sold all they had to gain this. And Jesus is saying this. This is like the kingdom of heaven. It's an all-in. It's something you got to go all-in for. That's the kind of response to get the kingdom of heaven. That's the kind of response you got to have. You got to go all in. So I snowboarded back in Colorado when I was in college. Loved it. Loved snowboarding. Such a fun thing. And uh, I got the chance to kind of teach some people how to snowboard. Um, and my first thing I always said to them, first thing, and probably the only thing I really said, because I'm like, you get this, you'll get it. You have to commit 100%. Snowboarding is an interesting thing because you're either on your heels or you're either on your toes, one or the other. You're, it's not like skiing where you can kind of just flat foot it and whoo, go down. Snowboard is so different, right? And so you either got to be on your heels, on your toes. And one of the scariest things about snowboarding that everybody has to get past is the toe side turn, all right? Why it's so scary is because if the mountain goes up like this, when you turn, you're putting your back to down the mountain. And gravity works. Gravity wants to make you fall backwards. This is scary, 
It's scary. Every snowboarder has to get over it, right? Because especially if you're going fast, and trust me, I've had my fair share of smacking my head and, oh, okay, there goes my helmet and my goggles and who am I for a second? Oh, okay, all right, I'm Grant. Perfect, I'm okay, all right? It's a scary thing, all right? But I tell people every time, if you try to make that turn halfway, three-fourths, definitely a quarter, you will eat it. You will eat it hard. You have to throw your hips around and trust. You have to. You 100% have to. I have never met anybody that's first learning how to do snowboarding that's like, oh, I'm just going to kind of dabble onto my toes and, and make it. You can't. You won't. You're going to eat it. It's going to hurt. You have to commit 100% and trust. Trust what I've taught you. Same thing with God. So much, I think, you know, relationship with God is difficult, is it not? I mean, I know, I, mean, I don't know. For me, how about I say for me? Sometimes it can be difficult. It's the nature of it. It's tough. It's weird. It's different. It's different than like a relationship with another human being, right? It, it's just different. And it can be tough sometimes, right, to feel the emotional uh, connection, the emotional intimacy with God. Um, it's it just by nature, it's, it's, it's like that. And I say that for me right now. I undoubtedly believe that as I go on, I'll become much more intimate and grow much more closer to the Lord. And so maybe a few years down the road, I may say, no, a relationship with God is easy. But right now, I find it somewhat difficult. And, and I wonder how much of that feels difficult because I'm just not totally 100% committed all the time, right? Uh, so I, I sometimes think of it in this way. This is a little bit of a raw illustration, as my dad would say. It's a raw illustration. Um, but I call it, <laughs> I call it sex before marriage is how I think about it. Uh, I want intimacy with God before I commit 100%. Uh, I don't know if that hits home for you or, or I don't know if that makes sense to you. It makes sense to me. Sometimes I'm like, I want this deep intimacy with you, God. I want this deep knowing of you. I want to feel your presence. I want this deep, intimate connection with you. But I haven't totally 100% committed my whole life to you. So it's like, I want, I want it all before giving it all. Hey, that's not bad. I won't. That just came to me. I want it all before giving it all. Huh. And I wonder how much of that frustration in relationship can be tied to that. It's just I'm not, I'm not committing all the way. I'm not giving him my all. I'm just keeping him in a box and I'm part of my life. And I'm not going the full distance. And so I don't know if it's like God like purposefully holds back, but I definitely bet psychologically you can't feel that intimacy if you're not 100% in it. I'm sure there's something along those lines. I mean, I know people in my life who have loved me dearly, and I could not feel that love or sense that love or really enjoy that love because it was me. I was, eh, I was either too focused on myself or, I don't know, there was something wrong with me. So I couldn't, I couldn't get what they were obviously giving to me. I just couldn't see it. I couldn't feel it. Because I, I wasn't totally committed to them, or I was trying to use them for my own gains or, you know, whatever it may be. So is that something for you? 
some of your frustration with, with your relationship with God can be tied to, I just haven't surrendered it all yet. I'm still trying to ride two horses with one butt. <laughs> Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, Jesus talks about no one can serve two masters. Right? And it's the context of money, which is great, because I think we can easily, like I was talking about earlier, what's the because why do you do what you do? The because and money is a very big one. You do it because of money. Took this job because of money. Took this career because of money. I didn't do this because of money. I did do this because of money. Right? It can get there. It can get there really, really easily. And so I love Jesus. He's saying, hey, you can't serve two masters. You either love the one or despise the other. Right? You look at, uh, look at uh, Jacob in the Old Testament, right? He had two wives, Leah and Rachel. Loved Rachel. Not a fan of Leah. Right? You know? It's tough. It's tough when you leave God as a part of your life. I think it's very easy to start getting resentful or contemptible or towards God or even, you know, what the heck, God? You know, why aren't you making my dreams come true? Why aren't you fixing this? Why aren't you answering my prayers? Why am I not feeling intimacy? Why am I not you know, having this close relationship, why, why is this? Yeah, yeah, well, come on now. You're serving two masters. And God's the, you know, the one we're trying to get the most from without giving much to. Right? It's tough to serve two masters. You can't serve two masters. You can't serve yourself and God. You can't serve money and God. You can't serve your dreams and God. You can't serve pleasure and God. You just can't. But what's the great thing about this? Right? God is so good. It's not like he's just like, kill everything, kill desire, kill your passions, kill, you know. He's like, surrender them to me. Give them to me. I'll give you something back better. Could be those dreams in a new way, in a kind of a reshaped way. Could take them away to give you something better. Something that hits you more to your core than you ever imagined. I was not going to be a pastor in high school. I was going to be an engineer. Love math and science. Golly. And if you would have told me in high school that I'd be a pastor, I would have been like, oh. I went to college where there was no math and science. I was a theology major. No math and science. It was reading and writing. In high school, I hated reading and writing. I hate it. I'll be honest with you, I still don't really like writing. I love writing sermons because I can write it how I'm going to say it. I don't have to write it like a writing, which is awesome. But it's amazing how much you might not know yourself. <laughs> and it's amazing how much God does know you. And so trust him. He may be leading you to do something or to leading you in a way that much more uh, fulfills and cuts to your core than you ever imagined. And so if he's leading you into something new or different, trust him. Uh, it, will times be hard? Absolutely. <laughs> Golly, you can do everything right and it's still going to be somewhat difficult. That's not, that's not a great uh, telltale sign that something is wrong if it's difficult. But you're built on him. You're built on him. So in the conclusion, why is it so important? Why is it so important to make God a way of life rather than a part of life? 
Well, I'm going to use this verse also from Matthew chapter 13. It's a great one. It's a, again, it's couched in that context of response. Those responding. This is how different people are going to respond to Jesus. Some are going to respond well. They're going to bear fruit. Some are not going to respond well. And it's going to get choked out. It's going to get taken away from them. And in verse 12, Jesus says, Whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. It's kind of an interesting one. You've got to read that really in context, okay? Because it could easily be taken out of context and be used as, oh man, for different reasons and stuff. But Jesus is saying, those who have will be given more. He spoke this to his disciples. What's great about this? Those who respond and continue to respond to Jesus will be given more. Given more of what? Given more knowledge of him. More intimacy with him. Greater relationship and fellowship with him. Ladies and gentlemen, if you want intimacy with God, if you want that intimate, emotional connection with God, the tightness, you want to know him, you want to continue to receive a spirit of revelation, wisdom, know him better, to experience and know the depths of his love, how high, how deep, how wide, how long his love. If you want that, you have to keep responding to him wholeheartedly, whole body, whole, not in part. You're just not going to get there, right? It's tough. You've got to be all in. Again, by nature, your knowledge of God's Word doesn't leave any room for compartmentalization of God and the truth. To my understanding, no. I think it's too all-encompassing. <laughs> Wouldn't you agree? The things that we believe are too all-encompassing. They touch every area of our lives, every situation, everything that we own touches it all. So they all have to be surrendered to God. Christianity is a way of life. It's a way. It's not just a faith. It's not just something we do in our minds. It's a way of life. And that last point is there is real peace in the real way of life. I think John Calstrom will say this a lot, of how amazing it is to know your purpose and to know that you're in God's purpose. It's so peaceful and restful. Not that it's easy, undoubtedly no, but when you know, I was created for this. This is the purpose God has made me for. This is what I am to do. This is exactly it. There's a lot of peace, because you can kind of let go of all the rest. Um, if you've ever seen the movie City Slickers, I just watched it like fully through for the first time, like, I don't know, six months ago, can't remember. We, me and my dad watched it. And uh, the main uh, kind of uh, ranch hand guy, the real tough and rugged dude, is talking to Billy Crystal's character. And he's like, you want to know what the secret of life is? It's one thing. Billy Crystal's like, you know, probably some quip or, you know, witty thing. And he's like, it's just one thing. And he gets it. It's about making your life about one thing. That's the secret to life. Because once you make your life about one thing, you can start letting go of all the stuff that's just 
on the outside. It doesn't really matter on the outside. Make your life about one thing. Right? Billy Crystal figures that out for himself. And, but as Christians, we realize, make our lives about one thing. Make our lives about Jesus. Make it about God. Make it about His Word and the truth of His Word, and what His Word says about who we are, about this world, about where history is going, and my part to play in that. And when you make your life about that, and your way of life is all focused towards that, then you get to let go of all the other stuff that so many people are distracted with, stressed out about, feeling anxiety and depression over, so on and so forth. We can get caught up. We're in an age where we have access to so much. And it can be caught up, right? I mean, don't we, don't we kind of want simplified lives? Isn't that kind of why we, we buy what we buy, so to speak, or technology? We want to simplify. We want it easier. We want it to, like, hone in, right? We're trying to do this, but I think the best way to do this is just make your life about one thing, God. Just follow Him. And again, that doesn't mean you got to become a pastor. That doesn't mean you got to go to seminary. Doesn't mean you know you got to go become go become a missionary to Africa. That's not it, right? You and I can both be the same people, making our way about God, being about God. And you can go work in this company, and I can be a pastor. Because look how it changes. It changes the way you work. Why are you there? Well, I'm not just here to collect a paycheck. I'm not just here because it fulfills something in me. Here, kingdom. Here to fulfill my responsibility as created in the image of God to rule over this earth, to build this kingdom, to be a light, to be full of truth, to point people to Christ, to love my neighbor as I love myself, to be a part of the solution rather than the problem. Right? And you can do that in any company, in any family, in any place, in any way. But again, so nice to have that focus. And again, it builds. Building upon that is so much a better, firmer foundation. Because again, if you're going to a job because it's for fulfillment, what happens when the dog days come? Which they will come. What happens when you're not feeling fulfilled? And this sucks. Well, it's easy to just bow out. I mean, you know, just put your two weeks in, bow out. But if you're built on God, maybe, well, then you start praying, all right, God, this sucks. I'm really not enjoying this. It hurts. Stress to the, you know, high heavens. What do you say about this? What needs to happen here? I'm doing your will. I'm not doing my will. What's your will? I trust you. I trust you. All right? You see how, see how God becomes the because rather than fulfillment or money? See that? Oh, there's tremendous peace not running after all these other things, and to have focus in your life. And again, what's so great is that we know we have the truth. God says, build, my, build your life, as that song says, build your life on Jesus. Build it. Make it a way of life. And you won't have to deal with being enslaved to sin, right? Which just steals, kills, destroys, just wrecks havoc on you. Building your life of something that's true, that is real, that is good for you. It's only good for you to build your life on that. Man, so that's my encouragement this morning. If God is a part of your life this morning, I encourage you to make him the whole of your life, the way of life. 
Don't keep them in a box. Don't say you can come this far, but you can't go further. Make them the whole of your life. Right? And as another song says, he won't relent until he has it all. He won't relent. He won't just let you have it. Right? He's going to keep working on you. He wants it all because it's for your good that he has it all. Surrender it all to him. Make it a way of life. Make him the because, the why for all that you do. Include him in your day. Be about his purposes, right? Seek him, and as you keep doing that, those who have, more will be given. You will get more of him as you align yourself with him. Amen? If you'll stand with me, we'll close in prayer. Father God, we thank you for your graciousness to us. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for your grace and your mercy on us. And God, we just pray in your name that you would help each and every one of us to surrender it all to you. God, that we truly would make you the whole of our lives. That we would live out our beliefs as a way of life. That we wouldn't put you in a box, that we wouldn't compartmentalize you, that we would not say this and no further to you. God, that we would have intimacy with you. So God, we commit. We commit to you wholeheartedly. We surrender every area of our lives, God. We seek your will and your purposes, God. And we seek to align ourselves with you and what you're doing here on earth, to be a part of that. And so God, help us. Help us to trust you. Help us to trust that this is best for us. Help us to trust that you are good and that you have good things in store for us. God, help us not to serve two things or three or four or five things. God, help us to serve you. And God, show us that that is what we were created to do and how good it feels to do what we were created to do. God, we pray for your peace that surpasses all understanding. Pray you lead us in this. You give us peace, Father God. God, speak to each and every one of us individually. Where, what have we left unsurrendered? What have we left unsubmitted? And God, lead us in the way everlasting. Pray this all in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Amen.